Hello everyone. Should I say Merry Christmas or should I say Happy New Year? Yeah, both. Cool. Merry Christmas and, and Happy New Year. Again, I hope you guys had a wonderful Christmas. Uh, as I explained, we had a good Christmas. It was a good one. Uh, man, I'm grateful for you guys. Um, I love you. I love our church. And uh, I'm excited to share with you, um, you know, a, another message from Scripture uh, today. Um, man, uh, today uh, is about vision. Um, it's, uh, you know, in church circles, you know, they, they call it Vision Sunday. Um, so, man, if we're going to name this Sunday, we can just say that. It's, a, it's, it's Vision uh, Sunday. It's about this vision uh, that we want to have uh, for, for 2020. And uh, it's a vision, really, for um, every day of our entire life. So we don't want to, like, uh, make uh, this vision exclusive to, to 2020. It's really something that should be uh, our vision for every day of our entire life. But, man, we really want to particularly uh, emphasize uh, something for the coming year, um, something that's, uh, that we feel like is really important for us for who we are um, as a church, um, right where we are right now at this time and, and at this period of, of time and in this history uh, of the church. And uh, also, uh, not just this church, but for you as individuals, um, man, this vision is for me as well. Uh, it's been wonderful kind of uh, studying this vision, and, um, and I'm, I'm really excited about it. I feel really good about this direction. And uh, really for three reasons. There's three reasons why I feel so good about this direction. And the first reason is um, not only did, did I feel like God put it on my heart, um, but uh, it was actually confirmed um, when Charles and I were talking about vision for 2020. And um, it was on my heart. And the same thing was on his heart. Uh, the same thing uh, was on his heart. And man, if it's biblical, this is a lesson for you. If it's biblical and the idea is confirmed in community of two or more people, you can, be, you can be confident that it's a vision from God. You can be confident that it's a vision from God. So Charles and I, you know, we were excited about that. We were like, oh, wow, that's cool. Um, let's run with this. Let's run with this vision. Um, let's go with this vision. Let's, let's, let's um, take the steering wheel and just see where this goes. Uh, the second reason this is important uh, to me uh, and to us is because this is important to God. Um, this is actually probably the most important thing um, to God. This is super important to God. So whatever is important to God, we want it to be uh, important to us as a church, and uh, we want it to be important to us as individuals. Um, man, and, uh, and the scriptures, uh, it, it, they bear witness to this vision. They bear witness to this vision. The scriptures are loaded with this vision. Uh, this vision is everywhere, um, if you look closely. Um, this vision is everywhere in the scriptures. And uh, the third reason why I feel so good about this vision um, that for 2020 is because I believe it is the essence of what it is to have a relationship with God. It's the essence of what it is to have a relationship with God. The gospel, Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins, the gospel is, is the way, it's the entry into having a relationship with God. It's the entry into having access to, to God. It's the, it's the way to do that, the way to salvation. Our vision for 2020 is the essence of that relationship. It's the walking of it. It's the experience of the gospel having its way in our daily lives. That's what this vision is. It's in our moment-to-moment -moment lives. Man, you're like, okay, 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 okay. Stop talking about it. Tell us the vision. 
Man, what's, uh, the vision really can be encapsulated into, into one word. And that vision that we have for 2020 is this. <laughs> I wanted to see your reaction. I wanted to see if you're anticipating uh, what this word is. Well, that vision, uh, that one word is intimacy. It's intimacy. It's intimacy with God. It's loving God. It's loving God, and we're really focusing on this word, this, this word intimacy. Intimacy. Why? Why? Why is intimacy our vision? Why is intimacy our vision? Well, man, a lot of great things have happened since meeting in our home, in a home in Doylestown two years ago, right? A lot of things have happened. A lot of great things have happened in these two years. What is it all about? Man, why are we here? Why are we doing what we're doing? What is this all about? Man, it's about intimacy. It's about intimacy with God. We've gotten here where we are today because of some level of intimacy with God. Man, that's it. It's by God's grace and our pursuit of him and, and our, our, the, some level of intimacy that we have had with God as a church and as individuals that God has brought us to where we are uh, today. And we're not going to go anywhere going forward. We're not going to go anywhere as individuals in our relationship with God or as a church, man, without growing intimacy, without growing intimacy with God. Man, no pastor, as your pastor, no pastor knows what the future holds for, for the church under his care. No pastor has that knowledge of what the future holds. And there's a lot of ways that I can fail you as a pastor. There are. There's a lot of ways that I can fail you as a pastor. And man, I, I'm a human being just like you, so the scriptures are for me, the messages are for me. All these things are for me too, but if I do nothing else, if I do nothing else as your pastor, may the one thing that I do, may the one thing that I do, my part in leading you into growing intimacy with God, man, that's it. That's what it's all about. Man, that, that's success to me. Man, there's lots of ways to measure success as a church or, you know, you know, how am I doing in my faith as an individual? Man, intimacy with God. Man, that, that, that is what it is all about. And if there's something I want each of us to pursue hard, man, it is intimacy with God. It's intimacy, intimacy. Man, when you look at our culture, how do, we, how do we see intimacy in our culture? Man, when you see in our culture, uh, man, really, really, when you think about it, uh, we're, we're actually, we're intimate and intimately made creations. And we actually have a deep desire for intimacy, do we not? We have a deep desire for, to experience intimacy, but we're not very good at it. Man, we're not very good at being intimate. We're not very good at loving and we're not very good at receiving intimacy. And we're not very good at being love and receiving love from a friend, from a, a coworker, from family, from a spouse, whatever it is. Man, we're complicated. We're complicated people. We're filled with insecurities, misguided motivations, confusing emotions. And we're also up against the culture. We're up against the culture 
that really it confuses what intimacy actually is. That's what we're up against in our culture. Our culture clouds our view of what intimacy is. And man, I'm pretty confident because it's what happened to me. Uh, when I first, the, one of the first things I thought about when I, uh, when I heard the word intimacy, right, when I thought of that word intimacy, and I'm pretty confident that many of you, maybe even all of you, the first thing you think about when you think of intimacy, that word is sex, right? Or sexual romance, right? You may have thought of that, when you thought of the word intimacy. Man, in our culture, sex and sexual romance is the means and instrument to intimacy. It's the means, man, I, I wanna be intimate, so I've gotta do this to get intimacy, right? Sex, sexual romance first, then intimacy, right? That, that's how our culture operates. I can't be intimate, right? And we often say, man, if the sex isn't good, there's not gonna be any intimacy, right? There's not gonna be any intimacy. Because of our strict association of intimacy with sex, intimacy with God, man, that, that's like completely foreign to our culture. Man, when you connect the word intimacy and God, it's like, dude, how, how did, what? How does that work? Intimacy with God, that doesn't make any sense. Man, we cannot love our spouse. We cannot be intimate. We cannot love our spouse. We can't love our friends. We cannot love our family as we should, our co-workers well, exclusive of intimacy with God. We can't do it. We can't love people well, exclusive of intimacy with God. Loving God. We can't do it. We cannot do it. Man, this series... I want to be really clear, is actually this series, uh, this, this uh, series of messages that we're going to go through, um, it, it's, it isn't first about how to have greater intimacy in our lives and our relationships, how to improve our relationships. That's not what this message series is. It's not how to do that. This, 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 this series that we're going to go through for the next several weeks, it's about first, intimacy with God. That's what it's all about. All of this that we're going to be doing the next several Sundays is about intimacy with God, intimacy with him. If we don't love God as we should, we will never love people as we should. Loving people as we should is the fruit of our intimacy with God, of our love for God. And if we don't have that, man, we're in trouble in our relationships. We're in trouble so today, we're going to get into a, a text that gives us really like the foundations of intimacy uh, with God. And, and the text, it really it sets us up for the next uh, several weeks. And they are the words of Jesus. They, they are the words of Jesus. And you guys know I love movies. I, I'm referring to movies like every sermon, I feel like. I mean, aren't I? Yes. Am I not? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's so much I get from movies. Man, when you watch a movie... Right when when you because uh, I, I like I like scripts and how they they flow in a movie and man in every single movie, right in the script in every single script there's a, a piece of dialogue it's a couple sentences that states the goal of the movie, like this is where we're going this is the end, right it's somewhere in like the first like quarter or eighth of the movie is that you know they 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 introduce the movie and they build up to these these couple sentences of dialogue and this is what's going to happen this is the goal this is the end and then the rest of the movie is how we're going to get there right every single movie has it man well these verses 
These verses in Scripture, there's actually a lot of verses in Scripture that are like that. They're all over the place. So uh, today's Scripture is just one of them. Uh, John 17, 3, 1 through 3. Uh, this scripture is just one of them. This is like, it's like the finish line. It's like the goal. It's, it's the vision. It's the vision. And we start there. We start with the vision. And then, man, after today, starting next Sunday, it's like, okay, this is how we're going to get there. This is how we're going to get there. It's in John chapter 17, verses 1 through 3. So let's read the text. It's on the screen. It says this, it says, when Jesus had spoken these words, so this is actually during the, the, the Lord's, during uh, the Last Supper in the upper room. And Jesus had just gone on and, and talked about all these remarkable, amazing things about who he is and what he's going to do and, and um, all these things. And uh, so he says this, uh, it's called the high priestly prayer. And this is kind of like the beginning of the high priestly prayer. And, uh, th- and it says this, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. The hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you that they know you and the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That they know you. Now, I want to unpack this in verse 3. This is eternal life, that they know you. You know, you actually, you actually can't find the word intimate or the word intimacy in the Bible. You can't find those words in the Bible. But that doesn't mean intimacy uh, is not in Scripture. It doesn't mean it's not in Scripture. The biblical word for intimacy is to know. It's to know. It's to know God, to know Jesus. It's to know Him. Man, to know is intimacy with God. To know Him. It's, It's a deep deep closeness. It's, it's, it's a relationship with him. It's depth of relationship with God. God, all throughout scriptures, he refers to himself as, you know, in, intimate relational terms, right? He calls himself father. He is a father to, his, to us as individuals, right? He refers to himself as a husband to his church, right? The church is the bride of Christ, and he is the husband of the church, I mean, he refers to himself in these intimate relational terms. To know God, to know God is to not be intellectually informed about him. It's not to be intellectually informed about him, but to experience his presence as a reality, an actual, tangible reality. That is to know God. Man, to, to put it in terms that we can, you know, process or relate to, you know, when I think about this, I think about my daughters, right? Uh, being home with my daughters and just being in the picture doesn't equate to intimacy. Just being there and just being in the picture 
It doesn't equate to, to a relationship, to this intimacy. Intimacy is interacting and playing with my daughters. It's interacting with them and playing with them and talking to them and asking and answering questions and taking them on daddy-daughter dates, right? That's intimacy. That's intimacy. To them, the information that I'm in the room doesn't impact them. It does nothing for them. The info that I am in the room does nothing for them. But it's my interaction with them does. It's, it's, um, it's my participation in them and in who they are. I'm participating in who she is. I'm responsive to the things she says and sensitive to the things that she does for my daughters. It's the same thing with God. It's the same thing with God. It's interacting, man. It's vulnerability. It's vulnerability with God. It's wrestling with him. It's struggling with him. It's arguing with him. It's asking him questions. Why? Why? What is this? Relational intimacy. It's experiencing him. Man, one of the reasons that marriage is so hard, one of the reasons that marriage is so hard is because of proximity. <laughs> it's, it's, we're living with a, a, our spouse, another person. That's hard. Man, that is difficult stuff. And we're already not very good at intimacy, right? We're not already good at giving intimacy and receiving intimacy. So now you're putting me under a roof <laughs> with another person. Yeah, it's not hard. It's not easy. We struggle with that, man. It's the same thing with God, man. This proximity to God, we struggle with intimacy with God. Man, we struggle with that. Or you think about a child. You think about a child who's been abandoned by their father, right? I've heard this story before. You think about a child that's been abandoned by their father and the father like comes back into the picture and, and the child's like, you know, you are my father, but you were never my dad. You are my father, but you were never my dad. I don't know you. We never had this intimacy. We never had this relationship. So your title as a father, it means nothing. It means nothing. You were never my dad. Or maybe the father is in the picture, but they are absent in mind and absent emotionally. And it's the same thing with God. Man, we know God is our father, but is he our dad? Man, is he our dad? Man, do we know him intimately? Man, passionately, are we interacting with him? Are we participating in him? Experiencing him, his character and his nature? Are we wrestling with him? Are we struggling with him? To know God is not to know about him, but to enter into his existence his being, his existence and his being, his personality and his saving actions and participating in him. That's what it is to know God. And this is what it's all about. This is what it's all about to God. All this stuff that we're doing, we meet on Sundays, we do small groups. That is it. 
man, when we just start doing this religiously and we're not getting and driving at intimacy with God, we should just stop what we're doing. We should just shut this church down. You know, when we become a club and we're exclusive from our community, man, we should just shut this operation down. Man, because it's about intimacy with God. It's not about information about God. Man, the second thing, the second thing I want to unpack in the scripture is the second part of verse 3, where it says the only true God in Jesus Christ. The only true God in Jesus Christ. This is eternal life, to know you. The only true God in Jesus Christ. We can't experience intimacy with God and the fruits of his intimacy any way we want. Man, we don't draw up the rules. We don't, we don't create the blueprint. God does. God creates all of that. And scripture reveals two things about how sin, how sin distorts our view of God and thus our intimacy with him. The scriptures bear witness to this. And all of us at some point, we have, we, we have fallen in this in one of these two categories. All of us have fallen one, in one of these two categories or maybe are currently in one of these categories. These two categories. And the first one is we think we're seeking God. We think we're seeking God and intimacy with God in this relationship when really we're only seeking after the things God gives we're only seeking after his gifts. We want the love. We want the help. We want the strength. We want the forgiveness. We want the joy. Right? But to want his gifts is not actually seeking him. We're kind of like gold diggers. Right? Isn't that what it's called? We're gold diggers. You know, you, you, you want the gifts. You want the things and, and the things that the person gives. But you don't want the person at all. We're kind of like gold diggers. And the evidence for this is strong. The evidence for this is strong because many people leave the faith because their lives were not going as they planned. You know what? I'm out. My life is not going the way I planned. It's not going the way that I want. God, you must not love me. You know, this, this, and that. I'm out. I'm out. God doesn't seem to be answering prayers. These people were never seeking God, but they were seeking his gifts. They didn't have intimacy with him. They wanted what he could give and not him. Intimacy is stifled when all God is is a sugar daddy. <laughs> intimacy is stifled. It's cut off when all God is is like a sugar daddy to us. This isn't the God we see in Scripture. This isn't the God we see in Scripture. We see a God that deeply loves us, but his love isn't tied to our circumstances. It's not tied to our health. It's not tied to our wealth. It's not tied to our gifts or anything like that. We don't judge him and his love by our circumstances. We don't do that. We shouldn't do that. It's not judging his love by our circumstances. We should judge our circumstances by his love. By his love. And then there's the second category. There's the second category. And this, this is the one I fell under, that I once fell under, the second category. Nobody first seeks God in this intimacy with God for who he reveals himself to be in Scripture. Nobody seeks God 
first seeks God for who he reveals himself to be in Scripture. To many people, God is like a custom car. He's like a custom car. Many seek after God as they want him to be, not as he actually is and as he reveals himself in Scripture. There's evidence for this is strong. The evidence for this is strong because many people ignore truth in Scripture. They change Scripture. They maliciously misinterpret Scripture. They misinterpret Scripture. They regard some Scripture, but then they disregard some Scripture. They don't believe some Scripture, but they believe some Scripture. They're picking and choosing what Scripture to believe and what not Scripture to believe. And intimacy is stifled when we seek a custom God. Intimacy is cut off when we seek a custom God, tailor-made to how we want and hope him to be. That's the category I once fell under. I don't know about you. That's the category that I once fell under. So when Jesus says the only true God in Jesus Christ, he's referring to the God of Israel. He's referring to the gospel, to the gospel Eternal life and experiencing the life-changing marks of intimacy, intimacy with God on our daily lives happens when we completely orient our lives, when we completely orient our lives and faith around God as we experience him, him in his word, in scripture. The essence of the one true God, of the God of the Bible, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. In verse 1, what's he say? The hour has come. He says, the hour has come. He's saying the time for the saving act of love, the time for the saving act of redemption for which I have come, the time for this for which I was born, the reason Christmas exists has arrived. The time has come. From the beginning of time, God had a plan in place to make himself known to us in an intimate way in which we could see him and know his character, right? And touch him and relate to him and participate in him. To participate in him. In Jesus. In Jesus. Christmas means God went to infinite lengths to make himself one whom we could know personally and intimately. Do we want that? Man, are we desperate for that? Are we thirsty for intimacy with God? Man, are we hungry for that? Are we hungry for that? The way we do this The way we do this is first by growing in our knowledge of our sin. It's growing in our knowledge of our sinfulness and our desperate need for God's amazing grace. And remember this, the the degree to which we grow in our knowledge of our sinfulness will also be the degree to which we will grow in God's amazing grace and grow in our intimacy with him If sin is not a big deal to you, if it's not a big deal to you, if it's not a big deal to us, then his love and his grace will never be a big deal. And intimacy is cut off. 
it's cut off. His grace will never be a big deal to us if our sin is not a big deal to us. So the more we grow in our knowledge of sin, man, as I grow older, the way that I experience God's grace, the way it has happened is by as I grow older, I just experience more and more just how sinful I am. And I grow in his grace. And then I grow in his gifts and I grow in his in intimacy with him because I run after him. I run after him. And there's this intimacy. But intimacy is stifled. And when we don't grow in our knowledge of our sinfulness, our sinfulness and the holiness of God, man, the perfection and the glory and the joy of God and who he is, man, that's the goal. Man, that's the vision. That's the vision for this coming year. Man, that's the vision for our, it should be the vision for our lives on a daily basis is intimacy with God. Growing in intimacy with God to aggressively pursue intimacy with him, to know God, to not know who he is, to not know who he is or about him, but to know him, intimacy with him. We need him more than that book by the fire. Charles and I were talking about this the other day. Man, we need him more than that book by the fire. We need him more than our spouse. We need him more than our children. We need him more than that car. We need him more than this house. We need him more than this vacation. There's nothing wrong with these things. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But man... Sometimes, man, I get more intimate with all those things than I do with God. I get stuck in these, 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 these seasons where, man, I need these things. And I kind of push God out the side. And I get cut off from this intimacy with him. Man, we need intimacy with God. We need to love God. And we need his love for us more than anything. Anything in our life. And friends, our kids need this. Our kids, they need this intimacy with God. Man, this, this drives home to me as now a father. Our kids need intimacy with God. And as parents, it's on us. It's on us to disciple them and guide them and lead them into this real participation in who God is and this intimacy with him. There's much at stake This is the vision. Man, starting today, starting today, we're going we're gonna to journey through Scripture. It's going to be a fun. Man, it's going to be a blast. These Scriptures have been blowing me away. Man, we're going to journey through Scripture. Scripture gives us this kaleidoscope of intimacy. It's everywhere. It is loaded with intimacy. Man, and, and this series, it's not going to be like an exhaustive study on intimacy with God because we'd have to go through the whole Bible to do that. But man, for, for five to eight weeks, man, we're just going to kind of journey through some baseline, foundational, fundamental scriptures that help us understand intimacy with God. We're going to learn how broken our intimacy with God is, and we're going to learn 
about growing intimacy with God and how that works itself out in our lives. We're going to learn about participating, not just with God, but participating in him, participating in who he is in a real experiential way. Man, and next week, we're going to learn about how and why our intimacy with God is broken. So we laid out the finish line. This is the goal, to know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ. Man, that's the finish line. That's the goal. Starting next week, man, we are going to start walking there and getting there.